It is Monday, September 25th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by Jet Home Loans. And now, the true inspiration behind Expendables 4, J.P. Shatrick. And welcome in. It is Jaguars Happy Hour. It is Monday after a Jags loss. Plenty to get to in the two hours ahead. 37-17, the final score. Texans over the Jaguars. Issues all over the field for the Jags. All three phases had problems. London is next. Let's take this show international. Falcons and the Bills the next two weeks in the UK. We'll keep it real and Fanatics fan questions all coming up on 1010XL, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube as well. Offense with drops and penalties. Defense, not much pass rush. Special teams had multiple issues. Well, after the game, head coach Doug Peterson was asked about that pass rush, but he turned his answer into a full team response. Why wasn't it able to get home uh, consistently? Um, you know, I, I mean, you can maybe point to several things, but, um, we have to do better. We have to do better. Starts up front, starts with the offensive line on offense, starts with the defensive line on defense. It starts right there. Again, I'm going to say this again. We need to coach better. We need to play better. We need to execute better. Um, Whether we are reading our press clippings, um, we need to get out of our own way right now. Uh, We need to evaluate um, ourselves, beginning with me. And um, we got to figure out how to win a game. That's Doug Peterson. After the game, we welcome in Pete Prisco and Tony Baselli now. And that was uh, quite a response after the game, Pete. What's up? He's shell-shocked. I mean, just like any idiot who picked that team to go to the Super Bowl and Trevor to win MVP. <laughs> I mean, who the heck did that? Some idiot that works for CBS? That would be me. Uh, I just I am astounded when I saw what was happening before my eyes Sunday. I could not believe it. I could not believe it. I could I could see if you turn the ball over five times and it was an accidental loss. They got abused in every way, shape or form. It's awful. And when I watched it, I thought to myself, how the hell did I pick that team to go to the Super Bowl? They're bad right now. That's a bad football team. What do they do well? That's the question that needs to be asked. What does that team do well? Tony, any idea? <laughs> We're waiting. Well, Pete, last week, Pete, you said I talked too much. I was going to let you uh, take the first segment and just go on your rant because I know it was building. No, I want to hear. I want to. want to hear what you have to say because I think we're we're both thinking along the same lines. Yeah, they're not. Uh, I mean, I I won't say they're not a good team. They're right now, not, they're not. Hold on, let me finish. They're not playing like a good team. That doesn't mean they cannot be a good team. Right now, right. Pete, I agree with you 100%. The team, I, I'll say that the offense I've seen for three straight weeks is not a good offense right now. The defense that I've watched is not disruptive. If they're able to get turnovers and, um, and fly, you know, because they play hard and they fly around, 
there's nothing disruptive. And I thought Sunday they had trouble getting off blocks. And I, they were, I wouldn't say controlled, but against an offensive line that's one of the weakest in the NFL with three or four starters out, um, four starters cool. out, they couldn't get a rush. They had four pressures, 30-plus dropbacks. This is a guy who had been sacked 11 times the most in the NFL. Um, this is a running attack that was anemic. And while they did not have great numbers, but there was times when they wanted to run it, they ran it. And so, and offensively, they are way out of sorts. Um, there's not a rhythm. Trevor, to me, looks like he's speeding through things. I don't know if it's because he doesn't trust the line. You know, he's gotten hit a couple times, uh, whatever. I think sometimes he's trying to do too, uh, do too much instead of just letting the stuff come to him because I think he feels like they're underperforming as an offense. This is all my conjecture. Um, <clears throat> the the receivers, um, too many drops, more drops yesterday. They had, the receivers themselves had three false starts at home. Yeah. Just to explain to everyone listening, whether you're at home or on the road, you know what the receiver's told to do? Look at the ball. If you're a quarter of a second late, nobody cares. But if you're a quarter of a second early, you look silly. Tell me. Well, Ridley had two. Ridley had two, two. right? Ridley had two, two and Agnew had one. Tell me how many times, Pete, you've watched in the history of your the entirety of your life, you've watched a game and three false start penalties were called on the wide receivers. Can't remember one. Mm. Can't remember I one. I recall. I thought about. It. I can never recall that happening in my 51 years, and I've been. I can. I can remember watching uh, football since I was. Five years old watching the Broncos and the Cowboys after the 77th season in the Super Bowl. I can't remember ever. And so that tells you it's a team that's not focused. They're not looking at the details. That's, those are no. mental errors. Those are mental errors. I thought it was really interesting. Doug came out and dropped the reading their own press clipping mm, line. Yeah, that right. was very telling. So he does not say that unless he is sending a message to everybody. You um, know what else? I'll say, hold on, one last thing, Pete, and, I'll let you, and then I'll jump in. And the offensive line, the interior three again, against a below average group. Now, they ran the ball at times well, but no consistency. They play on the edge too much. What I mean by that, guys are flashing in front of Trevor's face and they're getting pushed and it's never comfortable. It's very few clean pockets. And even when there are, there's, you know, where Trevor historically at the back half of last year would just shuffle a little bit. Now he's rushing. Um, I thought ETM played his tail off. Yes. Um, I wouldn't take that kid out of the game unless he begged for a rest. He's better than Tank Bisbee. He can be trusted because Tank right now needs to learn that he has to earn the trust. He, another drop he had that should could very le well led to an interception. Um, but right now they're out of sorts. I don't, and I think 
you know, here's the good news. The good news is that it's early. And I, I've said this, and Pete has been my mantra. Last year, the San Francisco 49ers were one and two. You know who they lost to the first three weeks of the season, Pete? The Bears. The Bears. <laughs> and guess the second team. I can't remember. Who was the second team? The Denver Broncos. Yeah. Those are bad teams. And they're still bad teams, by the way. And then they ended up three and four, Pete. You know what's happened since they were three and four last year? Yeah, they, they've been on a rip. They're ripping wins. They haven't lost in the regular season. They lost one game when they played without a quarterback in the NFC Championship. And so, yeah, but but they have on. stars on that team hold all over the finish. place. Let's Let not finish. compare it. <laughs> it's, so the comparison is early. Right. Where you're correct, what they did is their stars played like stars and rallied and started making plays and playing good football. So it's not lost. At one and two, nothing is decided. No, but let's nothing. go back to the let's go back to the offense real quick. I think a lack of trust on the interior three has caused Trevor Lawrence to speed up everything. I think it's sped up the play call. And again, we're on the perimeter all day. Nothing goes down the field. Nothing. There's except nothing. The one, the, the one except, shot that Ridley dropped. Yeah, you gotta catch it. Dropped it. Gotta catch right. it. But and we I, I sent you guys a play on our text chain. I saw it. And that was a perfect there was another one later on too, but a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Trevor has a, there's some push in the inside, but he's not nobody's getting to him, and he immediately throws the out. All he had to do was wait a split hair of a second longer, and he's got Ingram on the corner route for a touchdown. There's nobody near him. Well, later in the game, I come back and I didn't send you guys that play. Ingram had a wide open touchdown down the field, and he threw a shorter route as well. I think he's being sped up by the interior of the offensive line. Ben Barch is playing awful football, okay? He's not – they might need to make a change there. He's getting overwhelmed. Fortner was a little bit better this week, but still not great. And for all the money they're playing, paying Brandon Sheriff, they should have kept A.J. Can. I mean, seriously. So – when you don't have trust in the interior offensive line, Tony, you know you've talked to many a quarterback. If you can't step, that was always a kryptonite for Tom Brady. If you can't step, you you got him. And so I think that's a big problem for Trevor Lawrence. I think it's a big problem with the play calling, which is why they call so much vertical stuff. What was it, third and nine, and they ran that wide receivers, that tight end screen to Strange? Am yes, I wrong? Was that the call? That's about right, yep. What a, I mean, where, what a planet is that a good play call when you have Kirk and Ridley and everything and Engram to get down the field? That, that's the kind of thing that I think the play call has become a victim and impacted by what's happening on the interior of that offensive line. So now the question becomes, what do you do? Okay, you get Cam Robinson back, you can move a little left guard. But what do you do this week? That's a problem. Grady Jarrett and gang, that's a problem. That's right. By the way, it was third and eight in a four-yard game to Strange, like early second quarter. Yep. Yep. And then there's special and then teams. Was there one right before the fourth and one? Didn't he have a catch before the somebody? It wasn't that a little been, quick screen? Might have been that as well. I mean, there were that, there might have been more than one. It seems like there might have been. They're they're way too horizontal an offense right now. But here, and one quick thing, I know you got to go to break. 
and we could talk more about this, those receivers did a poor job of sitting in the zones. I mean, they ran right into coverage. They have to sit in zones. They have to be able to, when you run your route, if there's a guy there, you got to sit down. Ridley did it about four or five times. They ran right into the right into the defensive back. You can't. That tells me, and that's what you're talking about, Tony. Press clippings. Are they putting the work in to understand where they're supposed to go? Because that's all. The Texans played zone the entire game. They didn't play any man. They were without their corners. They played zone, and they, those guys didn't sit down. They ran. They. I, I just think that the that the press clipping comment is accurate. And didn't somebody else say? They need to get away from Jacksonville for a, for the. This might be good for them. Yeah. Well, that tells you that guys aren't. Who said that? I JP? forget. It was. Uh, I think a few players were asked that, and there was a couple was of similar Kirk? responses. Might have been Christian Kirk. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we need to go to London for two weeks to get better. I mean, are we are we serious with that? I, I just think that the whole thing right now is unraveling, and if they don't get it back together, it's going to unravel. Luckily, they're in a crappy division. All right, let's come back. Uh, we, we left out special teams. We've got plenty well, of time to get to that, Tony, coming up. Well, when we come back, JP, let's talk about – I don't know what your – I didn't read your notes again, but um, I'm not sure what the next segment is supposed to be, but we should talk about the special teams because that's one of the more embarrassing moments, shall I say, in the history of this franchise. Um, I also want to – I want to – have a conversation with the two of you where does the help come from and i'm not saying going to find somebody else but who on this team has the ability to step up and change the dynamic because typically pete you know as well as i do that's what happens maybe it's one guy or it's a group of guys that just say enough's enough that's not who this is not who we are who are those guys and and do they have the ability to do it because something has to change because if you keep on doing what you're doing you're gonna be five and twelve six and eleven whatever it is and it's not gonna be good now i don't think that's who this team is and i'm not saying people all of a sudden have to play like the incredible hulk and you know superman um but you got to change what you're doing and maybe that's changing your approach changing your preparation changing your mentality i don't know I want to talk about that further. Yeah, we can do that, Tony. You know what? We'll do that. That's a good idea. (laughs) Producer Tony (laughs) from somewhere in Europe bringing the heat tonight. All right, um, we're underway. We've got plenty ahead, of course. And Jags fans want customized Jaguars furniture for your home? Check out ZipChair.com and browse all customizable options. ZipChair furniture for fans. Coming up in the second hour at 5 o'clock, we've got the Fanatics fan questions and uh, plenty more. Of course, we're going to keep it real, as we always do. 37-17, the final. The Texans over the Jaguars. We're recapping it on Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Jet Home Loans. I grabbed him actually, you know, um, coming off the field, and I just just reiterated to him that, you know, take a deep breath, um, stay locked in, stay engaged. I told him he was a big part of part of our, our system and the offense, and he, he's going to have a lot of success. And just wanted to reiterate that confidence in him. <clears throat> Excuse me, and and really, <clears throat> and Trevor does a great job of that too, of getting with those guys. And you know, Calvin, Calvin wants to do so well so good so much 
he wants to prove, you know, and he doesn't have to. He's a good player, and, and he doesn't have to do all Just be Calvin. And, and so uh, those are the things that we're trying to just get him to do. Just relax. Um, focus on his job and the, and the, the plays that, you know, um, have his number attached to him. Doug Peterson today in his day after press conference Monday at the Miller Electric Center discussing Calvin Ridley's day yesterday. Ridley in the game, seven targets, three catches, 40 yards, had a couple drops, a couple false starts as well. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans, J.P. Shadrick from the Hyundai Studios at the Miller Electric Center on the couch today. Pete Prisco down in South Florida. Tony is uh, somewhere in Europe ahead of the Jaguars' trip to London this uh, week. The Jags play at Wembley this Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, all right, let's, let's start with Ridley. We'll get to the special team stuff coming up in a little bit. But, you know, I, I asked Doug the question today, uh, you know, how do you as a coach, and he's a, it's a, a, I think a high-caliber receiver, do you go to him during the game when he's struggling like that? Do you let him work on it on his own? That was his answer. No, he went to him and trying to keep his um, – try to keep his head about his receiver and they will need him at some point and, and to, to step up big. That was the big storyline this offseason. Well, and Pete, I wonder, remember in Atlanta, Calvin Ridley was not the number one. It was Julio, Julio Jones. Now, Calvin Ridley played like a number one in Atlanta, but Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, you covered a league no, it was it was you're right. Julio was when he first came in and he credits Julio for actually helping him become a good player. Yeah, and I'm not I, I don't say that to take anything away from Calvin Ridley. I wonder with him being the guy now, the number one alpha dog for the first time in his career, is he pressing and trying to be more than he needs to be? Because he's like to Doug's point, he's a good player. I mean Calvin really didn't forget how to play football. I mean, we've seen what he can do. We've seen it in camp. We saw, you know, early in the season, uh, first, I mean, first half of the Colts game. I mean, you see him run. I mean, so we know he's, it's in there and he has it. I wonder if this is a, I'm the number one guy. It's a contract year. It's all these things that he should not be worrying about entering into between the ears. And he's just pressing. Like, the, what I saw, I mean, he had two drops, one to touchdown. The other was for, uh, he bobbled, it would have been a, first, a huge first down in the game. And we needed every first down we could get. And he had two false starts. And there was a route late in the game where it didn't look like, he, it, the way he runs his routes, he runs them fast and violently and everything. And it was one where it looked like he was like, okay, maybe not so fast on that route. I don't know if you remember it. It was in the middle of the field. There was a single safety and he kind of ran right at him. And he did that a lot on Sunday. That, So you might be on to some, Tony, because the year he caught 90 balls, Julio played nine games that year. So kind of at the end, when he wasn't there, he was the number one receiver. But, but, you but, were only, but you're not the number one receiver as the number one receiver. He was, you're the he, number one receiver because of injury. He's so, never, he's never, when, even when Julio was out, when Julio walked in the room, Julio was the number one guy. Correct. And so to be the number one receiver, you have to learn how to handle to being the number one receiver, which means the attention goes to you. And that's always the challenge for good receivers to become great receivers. That You hear that all the time when you talk to receivers and corners around the league. 
how does the guy hand being the one? Does he adjust to the doubles? Does he adjust to being pressed? Does he adjust to get the top corner? That's how you become a great receiver is you go from being a really good one to a number one one and great one is handling all that stuff. And so far, you'd have to say he hadn't handled it very well. Well, I mean, we were sitting here, and believe me, I had people that in that building that I respect greatly in the summer that were telling me he was a combination of Jimmy Smith and, and others and Marvin Harrison. And, and, and then you haven't seen that at all. First half of the indie game, and then second half, nothing. Not much. Yeah, I mean, and he didn't do anything against the Chiefs, mm-hmm. and he didn't do anything yesterday. Right. And so it's not, I mean, when I say that, so it's not that he can't, he doesn't have number one receiver talent. He, he does. Talent, he's off the charts. The question, but the question is, is he, is he just pressing right now? Because players will press. You feel the way you got a lot going on. There's a bunch of things in your head and you're trying and you're, you know, trying to prove that you're that guy instead of just being that guy, like let your play determine. I mean, cause but you know this as well as I do. You can't make yourself a number one receiver or the best at any position or anything else like that. You either got you either have it or not. I mean, you can you can train, you can work hard, you can put you have to put the work in. But when you try like to like you start pressing, you start doing silly things and and, and you lose focus and concentration. And I and I appreciate what Julio said when someone asked him about his confidence and he got snippety, which I don't blame him. But he said, it's not confidence, it's concentration. Well, when, when you're worried about the wrong things, that's where concentration comes becomes an issue. Well, you were around for the greatest receiver, the, the birth of the greatest receiver in the franchise history. Because Jimmy was an also-ran for, for, right? He was a special teams guy. He flashed at times. Yeah, his rookie, my rookie year, 95, which was like his third year, first, I think first year full-time on a roster, if I'm not mistaken, because of injuries and other things. He was the kick returner and he's a special teams gunner, gunner and a and would cover kicks and he was the number five receiver on the roster. And then he had like a game late that season. It was it against Denver maybe where he caught the balls. But then as he came through the next year So wait, hold on. The next year he, he is was, the fourth receiver. Yeah. Keenan McCardell comes in, he's the one we signed Andre Rice. Andre. Andre thought he was the one, so it was a, you know who's going to be number one, and then Willie Jackson was the third, and then Jimmy right. was the fourth. Right. And and Jimmy caught a handful of balls and he played, and then all of a sudden week nine, we cut Andre Risen on a Monday morning, and setting aside the locker room drama that, you know. I think it was one of the few days Pete's like, maybe I should just stay out of that locker room today. <laughs> I don't want to deal with those guys. No, I enjoyed uh, that day. <laughs> yeah, I know you did. Um, and that was the birth of Jimmy Receiver as the best Jaguar receiver ever. And but when he so started, he, he didn't know he was. And so no, no, that's my point. When did he know when, he was? No, he didn't. He was just playing football. His talent right. Right. Became, when did and, you know? When did he? When do you think a guy knows he's the number one wide receiver? Like, because he, you know, Keenan was kind of he had gone to the Keenan went to the Pro Bowl in '96, 
So yeah, when did it was me, Keenan, and Mark? And Keenan made it. Uh, he was like, but he was the best player on our team, probably. And uh, he was the number one receiver when New Keenan was a receiver. Come back in '97, and it's just quite obvious that Jimmy's the best receiver on the team. And then by '98, '99, there was no doubt. He was the number one guy, and it was basically if we had single high safety, we were checking a pass, and we were throwing it to Jimmy because nobody. And so I don't know when he, in his mind, he was it, but what determined him being the number one guy Talent. was his play. Yeah. yeah and so- by the way, and I'm not saying Calvin Ridley's is as good as Jimmy, is Jimmy Smith's talent. I mean, they're two different players. But Calvin Ridley has number one receiver talent. No He's doubt. just got to go play. Right. Just loosen. Just forget about the contract. Forget about being the number one guy. Just go make plays. Hey, do you feel and, like and, do you feel like they're forcing it to him too much? They didn't the first week they did. The first week they did against the Colts they did. No. But I don't they think did. So. No, yeah, I he, said he had I'm sorry. a couple times and he did he threw to Ridley he, forced it to re- I said, oh, I, uh, no, I was not disagreeing with your point on week one. I don't think they forced it to him yesterday. No. I don't either. Not at all. I mean, they were there. It's, they it, were open. Here's, a, here's a weird NFL. You've been around it. You played in it, Tony. JP, you've been around it. If he catches that touchdown pass on the opening drive, is, that game. is it a different game? Right? The Jaguars might win by 21. It's yep. so weird. And then he drops it, and you get the special teams disasters, and oh. next thing you know, you're – Pete, I remember, I remember as a player, Tom Coughlin, this was early, maybe my rookie year. And I remember him saying at a team meeting that five or six plays determine the outcome of an NFL game, and you just don't know what five or six they are. And I used to think, I'm like, you're crazy old, what are you talking about? <laughs> and you're around it enough, yep. and you play it, and then you watch it, or you cover it like you, you guys do and I do now. And you want, you're like, you know what? There's five or six plays that determine the outcome. And you don't know it which ones are. It depends what they are. I mean, the different kind of plays will determine which is the outcome it's going to be, too. Like, I'll give you an example. Just I know we're getting off the tangent here. Last week, and I told you this, I think, on the show, the Broncos were winning 21-3 to against Washington. There was a fumble. Russell Wilson fumbled it. He didn't reach to try and recover right. it. He, about he stared at it. Yeah. Washington recovers, goes down 21-11. Has that team been the same since? They got a 70-burger put on them on Sunday. Those are the kind of things that and, – and when it goes bad, you know, Tony, you've been around that. It mushrooms. It goes bad. There's nothing you can do from, to get out from underneath it either. It's like an avalanche. It starts with a little snowball, and next thing you know, the whole mountain's coming on top of you. That's what happened on Sunday to the Jaguars. It just – it didn't stop. None of it. And by the way, when I say five or six plays, I'm not blaming the loss in Calvin Ridley. No. You can you can line up all 48 guys who are active, and you know each of them had a partake partook. Well, you had a couple busts in the secondary. You have um, you know, I mean, there's a million plays you could look at. The fumble when yeah. you try to get back into it. I mean, there's a million plays. All right, we'll go through a lot of those plays. The rest of the show coming up. Defensive talk. They didn't get much of a finger on Stroud. Well, We'll get to that coming up. Special teams and the Jaguars are no longer in first place in the AFC South. We'll go through the division standings and the power rankings should be interesting tonight. That's all coming up. And then in the second hour, Fanatics fan questions, and we will keep it real. 
The uh, Jaguars and the Texans were recapping the game yesterday. Texans a 20-point winner over the Jaguars. Sign up your furry friend for the Jaguars' official four-legged fan club for pets. Presented by Forever Vets Animal Hospital, your pet will receive access to exclusive merchandise, events, and sweepstakes throughout the season. Visit jaguars.com slash promotion slash four-legged fan club and sign up today. This is Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans. Uh, preparation, you know, when you look at all three phases, I think it's just preparation. Uh, you know, knowing it's going to come, communication. I know, you know, obviously you can see on the offensive side, special teams, whatever, but defensively, you know, communication was, was was not was not up to our standard. Um, and so, those things that we can improve on, we know that moving forward. But you know, you can't do that. You know, we like you said, man, we want to be who we know we can be. We can't be making those can't be making those errors. Josh Allen, Jaguars outside linebacker after yesterday's loss to the Houston Texans. And Allen with two tackles, three of the four quarterback hits on C.J. Stroud. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans from the Hyundai Studios. J.P. Shadrick inside the Miller Electric Center. Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli recapping this one on 1010XL. AM, Jaguars.com and Jaguars YouTube. Yeah, four hits on a quarterback that had been hit 19 times in the first game, the first two games of the season, sacked 11 times. The Jaguars sacked him exactly none, zero in the game. And Stroud looked poised, uh, you know. Even when there was a little pressure, the pocket might have been squeezing a little bit. He would slide and find a way to get it out. And, uh, hey, the Jags' pass rush just wasn't there, Pete, yet again. And uh, this is um, – this is not trending the right way. I'll say that. Well, let's – and I, I texted you guys this today. They have a high draft pick, the number one overall pick on Trayvon Walker. They have a first-round pick on Devin Lloyd. They have a top-ten pick on Josh Allen. Of those three, Josh Allen at least flashes once in a while and makes some plays. Trayvon Walker made a play in the run game, I think. Pass rush? Non-existent. Devin Lloyd, he gets blocked. When was, the, when was the last time you went, oh, my God, what a great play by that middle linebacker? If he had picked off the ball that he should have intercepted, maybe. But I just don't see the impact plays. Then Muma comes in, another guy you drafted at a position where you had 40 of them, and all he does is get blocked the entire time, too. It, it's amazing to me the lack of production from guys – we talked about this all year, all offseason, year one to year two, growth. That was going to be the biggest difference in the defense. These guys are going to grow up. They're going to become players. Is any any one of them any better? Is Devin Lloyd maybe a little bit better because he knows where to line up, but he's not flashing? Trayvon Walker? Oh, he plays hard. He plays a run well. That's not why he drafted him one overall. And Muma, when he did come in, was blocked the entire time. So I think when you look at it, that's the problem. The year one, the year two guys haven't done much from year one to year two. The year two to well, year three, I mean, don't you agree? I, yeah, I don't. I don't think. Um, yeah, I don't think they played well. 
yesterday. I mean, I think to your point, Muma uh, got blocked um, quite a bit. I thought in coverage, there was one that jumped out at me on the uh, 012. What's 12's name for the Texans? Good player. I can't even think of it right now. Receiver. Nico. Nico. Nico Collins. Collins. uh, End of the half when they ended up getting three more that they never should have gotten. He runs a crossing route, and Muma did not look good in space. Like... Blue context one. I'm assuming he's he has Nico Collins coming across the middle. He catches it. He should have come up and tackled him for little no gain, and he runs right by him and multiple other. I'm not putting it all on him because he ran through a bunch, ran by a bunch of guys, ran through tackles. But setting aside Pete, I think it's a the more interesting conversation to me is whether you know they you know no one played well, so them included. Um, but here's the big thing. Last year. Did anyone on this radio show, we'll just, I'll just keep it to the three of us, think that we had a the defense was our strength? No. No. Now, they no. had flash moments late where they would take the ball away. Right. Okay, but was it a strength? Were we great no. at rush passer? Were, no. Were, no. Was there, okay. No. This offseason, and – Trent's the GM, so I'm assuming it was Trent. I'm sure Doug had say in it, but our 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 GM and 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 scouts and the leadership and Doug put everyone in the whoever it was, however the decision was made. I don't know how those were made. Um, decided to make zero investments on the defense side of the ball in in free agency and no meaningful investment in the draft on the defense side of the ball. What they were betting on, they were making a bet. In fact, I would argue they lost. They went backwards from a personnel standpoint from last year's team because they lost Arden Key, who was one of the better pass rushers. And they knew that Dewan Smoot would not be back until later this year, who for a stretch was the best pass rusher on the team as well. Those guys were some of the more productive players. And so you lose you lose Smoot to an injury, you lose Arden Key to um, free agency, and you do nothing. You don't really replace either of those guys, and you make no meaningful investments. And they were betting that the year one players would the year one excuse me the year one players would take a big jump and be the players that they drafted them to be, and they'd be dominant. Trayvon Walker, Muma, Devin Lloyd, that those guys would be staples on this defense, and they didn't make any bets to bring anyone new in because they're making a bet on the guys they drafted the year before. And some of the free agents they had the year before, because, you know, they figured Fadakasi would be healthy, you know, that Darius Williams would be better because they moved him outside, like he, you know, started was trending in the end of the year. And right now, Pete, what you're saying is those bets aren't landing, aren't paying off. But this, it's still early. Right. But if you drafted the right guys or the right guy, you might not you might not be saying that. If Trayvon Walker was dumping people for like three and four, putting pressure on guys, you know, four and five times a game and, and, and or three or four times a game and getting a couple sacks here and there, you wouldn't even be having this conversation. Right. 
And, and you know, at some point, Tony, it gets. We've said it time and again too. He's a good. Fo- he plays the run well. He plays hard. He's a good football player. That ain't enough for the number one overall pick. I mean, he's. I showed you a play. I sent you a play when he looped from the outside in. What the hell was that? You saw it. Yeah. What do you think of that play? Wasn't very physical. When a running back is there waiting for you, you blast him and send him into the quarterback. Yeah, but that's it's one play. I guess my point. I know, is, but but that's it's just he's a good, tough, physical football player who wasn't physical on that play. But and Peter, Am I describing this wrong? I mean, that's the bet Trent Baalke and Doug basically made. No, you're right. That's the one year, year one to year two that we talk about all the time. We did nothing. Our investment this offseason was all offense. They got, Michael Do- they got Michael Dogby as a free agent, didn't they? <laughs> okay, again, let me go through this. We got, <laughs> got Calvin Ridley in a trade. First-round pick, Anton Harrison. Second-round pick was... Uh, we even have a, the tight end. Strange. The tight end. Strange. Third round pick, uh, Tanks Bigsby. Bigsby. Fourth round pick, I can't remember. Well, the fifth was Abdullah. Yeah, Abdullah was the fifth round. Fifth was Abdullah. The linebacker Miller from from Florida was the fourth. Okay, Montreal Miller. So we didn't do anything on the defensive side. And he of the ball. wasn't going to play anyways. Right. Pick the oh, guy. Oh, Tyler Lacy. Tyler Lacy was in the fourth round. But wasn't Vontrell Miller in the fourth round? I think they were too? both in the fourth round, yes. Okay, so Vontrell Miller, you picked him in the fourth round even though he had no chance of playing. Zero chance. So, Tony, are you criticizing the draft strategy? I'm not. I guess I'm not really. I'm not really. I'm just. I mean, it's less of a criticism, Pete. It kind of is what it is. That's the bet you made. So the next question is, how does it improve? Can they, it's week three, going into week four. Is it on the coaching? Is it on the players themselves now one, to one get it right? One about that, JP. Yeah. The bet they made for this season was because of the bet they made last season. You're a GM, and you used the number one overall pick on Trayvon Walker, and you used the first round pick. You went back in to go get Devin Lloyd. You're thinking in your mind that they are big time stars, and they're going to take the next step. So That's you didn't do anything this year because you did what you did the year before. So you could be critic. You could be criticized for both of them. And, and, and Pete, and you spent a bunch of free agent capital last year on defense too, with Fadakasi, Aluokan, and Darius Williams, Correct. and Rayshon Jenkins. No, Jenkins was the year before, I think. Right, but still, you're talking about a lot of money invested on that side of the ball, a lot of draft capital invested on that side of the ball. And they're not getting bang for the buck, it, particularly when it comes to rushing the passer. That's, but you had, you had coverage bust too. I mean, those, those are, I don't know. I think Doug said today one was, either Rayshon Jenkins. What was he doing? He was dropped down, and tried to hightail it to the back end, and couldn't get there, because it was a miscommunication there. I don't. He said they were both down, but they weren't both down. Rayshon Jenkins was down and tried to get to the back. He couldn't do it. Then on the other one, Darius Williams, one of them went to the wrong. Both went to the wrong guy. And so miscommunication. That's. I think that's what you're talking back, Tony, when he's pointing all that stuff out about kind of accountability. Those are not physical 
getting beat mistakes. Those are mental mistakes. Not sitting down in your zone, mental mistakes. Jumping off sides as a wide receiver, mental mistakes. I mean, they're, it, it, it's just. But I will say this, though, as it relates to physicality, the Texans were the much more physical team. When you watch that tape, you notice guys flying around. Jimmy Ward played great, I thought. He was all over the place. And and they fly to they're not they're not overly talented on that side of the ball. They fly no. to the football. Agree. Um, I agree with you, Pete. And to JP, to your question, so what do you do? Yeah. Who's who's responsible? Coach, players, all of them. A coach's job is to design a game plan and schemes on both sides of the ball to maximize the guys you have's talent to give you the best chance to win. That's their job. The guys on the field, their job is to go execute and go beat the hell out of the guy in front of them <laughs> or go cover the guy in front of them or go beat the, you know, whatever it means and to execute their job. And so it's both have to do better. And I think that's what Doug said. As a player, I lean and put more of the onus on the players because I've always thought this is a player's league and players got to go play. Pete and I joke all the time about it's not about X's and O's, it's about Jimmy's and Joe's. And not that X's and O's aren't important. I mean, we saw what leadership does in this place, getting Doug Peterson hired. Great leader, great head coach. So that matters a ton. But it's, it's guys got to go play. And, and I think let's start with the defensive side of the ball. Unless something changes, it doesn't look like we're going to win a lot of one-on-one matchups. And the best guy who has a chance to do that is Josh Allen. He had three of the four pressures yesterday, and he was basically playing on one arm. So I and, he still, and he was still the best pass rusher. He was still I mean. the best pass rusher. So outside of Josh Allen, there's not many guys who are going to win on one, one-on-one. Roy, uh, Roy Robinson-Harris will push the pocket. He had some good bull rushes to squeeze it. But we do not have a dynamic pass rusher. And, I, and and while Josh is our best, I wouldn't. He's not disruptive. He's not a guy at this right so far. What we've seen so far, who's going to line up and just beat you one on one, and that tackles losing sleep the night before the game, like T.J. Watt does, yeah, or Von Miller when you right. know. Yeah, that's not what he is. No, not or Max Crosby or any of the guys that can do Max it. Crosby or. Joey Bosa or, or Nick Bosa or right. Yeah. No. That's what it is. Hey, let's come back. Special teams when we return. Ugh. Uh, AFC South power rankings when we return. Ooh. <laughs> A lot of faces being made on this show today. And rightly so. 37-17 Texans over the Jaguars. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, Look no further than Ford F-150, loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between. This truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Jet Home Loans. You know, I think that's, I think that's real. I do. Uh, I think that's real. Um, and and you know, you know, I, I've been around this game too long to know that you can't can't live in the past, or you're gonna you're gonna fail in the future. And um, 
you know, we've just got to focus one day at a time. We've got to get better each day. And um, can't worry about next week or the week after. Can't worry about the London trip coming up. We can't, you know, we just got to focus in on on the week at hand. And, and um, you know, that, that, that part of it starts with me and making sure that the guys are, um, you know, hearing that message, you know, loud and clear from me. And, and um, I'll make sure that they, they get that message. Doug Peterson asked if the uh, after the game yesterday if the Jaguars were leading, reading the headlines a little too much. Of course, he's elaborated since then. And welcome back. It is Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars How did YouTube. he elaborate, JP? Well, I mean, he said it again today. I mean, he said, yeah, maybe they're oh. reading the, the, the clippings, right? He just kept talking about that. So... He was asked, he, got a little, he thinks they got a little too full of themselves. Yeah. I mean, it feels like he's saying it in a nice way. Yeah. But basically, he's basically saying this team hasn't done anything. Last year's over. Uh, last year's not going to help you this year. And they've got to figure it out now. And this is um, – and that's a nice way of doing it. Apparently, got into him at halftime during the game uh, from all kind of the stories you hear after the game. And um, – let him know today in no uncertain terms how it was yesterday, I think, from the tone that Doug Peterson gave today. And certainly on the special teams portion of the football game yesterday, a missed field goal from McManus pushed it, gosh, about seven yards wide right. A blocked field goal between the guard and tackle on the left side. Will Anderson got his two big hands on it. It was actually the tight end and tackle. Oh, was it further Walker, out? It was further out. Got it. Okay, Tony. I think Walker Little, Walker Little plays tight end in the um, field goal protection. Okay, fair enough. Uh, from the left and a little further out than I thought. Yeah, and those are usually embarrassing plays for special teams, but it ain't as embarrassing as the next one you're going to bring Here up. Here we go. The 85-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. It hit the, I guess, the up man you would call him. Uh, in front of the returner, they tried a mortar kick, and Stupid. it worked out because it was chaos for the Texans. He fumbled it, recovered it at the 15, broke contain, missed a tackle, Trey Herndon. He outran the kicker, and then he outran a running back. He's at the 20. He's at the 10. He's gone. Touchdown, Texans. They let Tony Baselli return a kick for a touchdown. That's what that guy looked like right there. He's the fullback. It's incredible. He's the fullback. That I mean, one, it's an all-timer, Pete. Well, no, well for, okay, let's start with the decision that, for the mortar kick. What's the thinking behind that? I think it's just to pin them deep because they felt okay. like the coverage units were playing pretty well. If you well. could play the kick again, and I watched it on the All-22, there wasn't a Jacksonville player across the 30 when he first went to catch the football at the 10. So – just using the force of nature if he catches it he's probably going to be at the 20 21 22 yard line is it worth it just kick the damn ball out of the end zone and let make him start at the 25 what is the rationale behind that or did he not get the ball deep enough on the mortar kick is that a possibility no they said today that it was executed so well they need to execute that out of the playbook because it just kicked the damn ball out of the end zone I, I mean, seriously, <laughs> what, what, I just want to just for the for the argument's sake here. What is to be gained from that? Well, we'll come back well, he, and discuss. You pin him back inside the 20, Pete. That's Tony, the game. he caught the ball at the 10. If he doesn't drop it, 
They didn't have a player over the 30. So let's assume they meet somewhere that the guy's going to get a couple of yards after they meet. So he's going to get to the 20, 22 anyways. So for three or four yards, you're risking that? Coming up, second hour, we'll discuss it further on Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Jet Home Loans. Focus on the, the highlights, but you definitely coach it all. Um, that's why days like today are so important with the guys in the building to, to be able to show the mistakes and make those corrections today, you know, before we hit the practice field again on, on Wednesday. And then, um, you know, you, you just you have to you have to you have to show you have to show the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, to the players and get and you know my job is to is to paint the picture. I mean, this is where we are. This is not who we want to be, and this is where we're going. And um, you know, all that stuff is still right in front of us. Head coach Doug Peterson earlier today is Monday day after press conference, the day after. A 20-point loss to the Houston Texans, 37-17. Welcome into the second hour of Jaguars Happy Hour. Is presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings, J.P. Shadrick from the Hyundai Studios. Mr. Chubby's today brought, I think those were sweet and sour boneless wings, and they brought a chicken wrap. Uh, so great stuff for our production staff are here. You the, are Monday. you the only one there? So you must have a spread in front of you, J.P. Well, well, you can't see the entire screen if you're watching on Jaguars.com. There may be a smorgasbord of sorts. It's okay. It's uh, good to have that each and every Monday. That's Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli, recapping this one. We wrapped up the first hour in the middle of a heated special teams discussion. I didn't mind the mortar kick. Pete hates it. Tony, where are you on it? Um, indifferent. Execute. Execute the play. Like, but what is your did. end game from getting it? <laughs> if you execute it, I see them teams do it all the time. They've done it countless times. You get them down into, inside the 20. It's a change-up. Okay, but that one wasn't going to be inside the 20, the way it was kicked. I'm not saying it was. It didn't execute any part it of it. They said we, he executed. JP said they said they, he executed. The kick was right. It was, yes, right there at the kick 10. Fine, fine, but the guys weren't down there. Pete, we let a fullback return a touchdown 86 yards. What part was executed properly? No, no. I'm saying even if you executed it properly, you're going to be at the 20. Better okay. than 25. Is that worth five yards? The risk it, of it? People do it all the time, I, Pete. Change up. You're I, missing yeah. the point. It's no, not you're missing the point. Get the damn ball out of the end zone and play football. It's not. That is part of football. Kicking off is part of the football. Pete. <laughs> not for long. Is that why <laughs> you have a kicker with a big leg to kick the ball out of the back of the end zone? <laughs> My point is, Pete, is the 10 guys out there, or I mean 11 guards, I'll even put the kicker there, should never in the NFL allow a fullback to return a kick 86 yards. I don't care where you kick it. Right. I agree with you. It was terrible. But I know one way that they would have prevented that from happening. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Kick it out of the back of the end zone. I mean, I admit you're right on that point, Pete. However, I think they executed <laughs> I the kick well. The coverage was not executed. The risk 
reward isn't worth it. It's just not worth it. Well, that changed the entire game because the Jags were back within seven at that point. That takes it back to 14, and good night and good luck the rest but of the way. Then again, if you pin him in there with your 85 Bears defense, that might be a good strategy. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> that, of course, one of the issues, all three phases with issues in yesterday's loss. Uh, that was just part of the special teams day, a missed field goal, a blocked field goal. The offense had drops and penalties throughout the day. Ran the ball okay, just not enough to carry them over the finish line. And then zero pass rush from the Jaguars' defense and issues in the back end. So now the Jaguars searching for answers, and it's time to take this show international. The Jaguars visit Wembley Stadium and the Atlanta Falcons two weeks in London, by the way. Falcons this week, of course, and then at the Bills at Tottenham Hotspur in week five. This is the Jaguars' 10th London game coming up, the ninth at Wembley. The Jags trying to snap a three-game skid under the arch at Wembley. The last win in that stadium was 2017. They lost 18, 19, and 22. No game in 20. They won at Tottenham Hotspur in 21. So, moving it forward, Tony, you started the show with this idea. And let's follow it up now. Who are the guys to step up and turn this thing around on the Jaguars roster right now? Who are you counting on of the 53 to, to make sure this doesn't happen anymore? I mean, I think it starts with, it starts with Trevor Lawrence in the offense. And, and then if I'm going deeper on the offense, it start, I'll say this. The offensive line and Trevor Lawrence can solve this whole thing. If you if you can play good on if you can control the line of scrimmage, and you can, and you have a high level of quarterback play, you're tough to beat. Do you disagree with that? No. Yeah, yeah. It starts with him. It has to start with him. I mean, and so that's where I start on offense, offensive line, and Trevor, and then defense. You're going to have to, I mean, until further notice, you're going to have to blitz. You're going to have to take chances. But this team's not set up to blitz because they don't play man coverage in the back end very well. Um, How do you, when you talk about what what you want them to do is is just send six sometimes? Ideally, you don't want them to ever what? do that. But Out, Outside of playing, outside of playing really good, I mean, outside of rushing the passer better, and winning one-on-one, I mean, the answer is then you're going to have to have 11 guys who are on the same page and run to the ball and play physical and just create turnovers and get stops by just swarming around and just playing great team defense. Because I don't, I don't see the one disruptor. I don't – I mean, if Josh Allen can step up his game a little bit because he's playing solid right now, you know, can he become that disruptive guy? I mean, outside of that, I think it's 11 guys that are going to have to run around. I think, so, the, and, so and you I think give it up on Trayvon Walker. I just haven't. I'm not giving up, Pete. I haven't seen anything that makes me see that it's any different than last year. Right, and that's the, that's what the scary part is. We're three games in, and by this time, we should be sitting there saying, "Oh, he's a different player," and he's not. If he but was, you, you didn't see anything in camp though, either, Pete. No, if he was, then you wouldn't have this problem. But have so that's why I go back to, so it, it's going to take 11 guys. And if I'm looking at all 11 guys, it means you have to be solid up front against the run. And I think probably Luicon's the most is, is a key guy to get everyone going. I think he's the leader of that defense. Didn't, by the way, didn't um, Abdullah get a pressure yesterday? 
Was he credited see. with one? Let's on one see. of the plays he had, he got. What's that, JP? I'm taking a look at the official stat sheet. He's not in it, but they do not give uh, pressures are not an official league stat. Yeah, so. I thought he he got a pressure, but maybe I mean he was close on one. He got in there, right. but I still think you know stepping up on on defense, it has to be the pass rushers. It has to be. Two, it's it's the same story every for everybody. It's the offensive line, the pass rushers, and the quarterback. If if they all do their job, then you're not going to have any problems. But Pete, do you see us being okay? So then you've got to play great team defense, like they did last year at the end of the year, and they swore. they got a lot of bounces to go their way and stuff too. But I, I get what you're saying. You got to help. You got to hope you turn the ball over and do things like that. I'm going to go back to something we've been preaching on this program since last year. 44 needs to go down. He needs to put his hand on the ground. He needs to play down. This experiment, him, when he plays the stand, the plays outside, I don't think he's an outside guy. I just don't. I think he could be a dominant down player. Don't you? Um, or a good one. Dominant? I don't know. Okay, good one. He, he could be better playing down than he would be where he is right now, in my mind. Pete, who do you put out there then? Well, um, Clowney, Justin Houston. Yeah, you know or... what? There's, there's only <laughs> there's games left this season, Pete. If you make that change, which they probably won't do mid-season. Bart I Key. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, Clowney has a sack and a half, by the way. That's great. Good for Clowney. He's not here. I mean, he's not a great pass rusher, but he's something. He would have been something. They had him in the building, did they not? Reportedly. They, that's, and Tony's point is accurate. They didn't even address it. None. Because they got so caught up in their own picks that they didn't think they needed to address it. See, and that's when GMs sometimes get in trouble, Tony, is they – I drafted this guy first overall. He is going to take the next step. I don't need any help for him. Well, Pete, I had this conversation, and I'm not. I'm not going to say who it was with. Not, and it wasn't about us. It wasn't about Trent or anyone else. But we were talking about GMs in general. And I've said this before. I think on this show, my gauge. Of, that's that. What I think makes one of the key characteristics of a great GM is an individual who is unafraid to admit their mistake really quickly. It's the teams that languish. The teams that languish are the ones that have GMs and leadership that refuse to make, to own up to their mistake and say, hey, got it wrong, time to pivot. And then they end up doubling down on those decisions and it hurts the franchise. It hurts the team in the long run. And, and that's where you get the, 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 sometimes you get the problems with the coach because the coach will be sitting there saying, Hey, we should be playing him over here. And da, 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 da. yeah, you know how that works out. That's why you get rifts in the building and everything. I'm not saying that's happening in Jacksonville. I'm just saying I've known it's happened around the league many a time. It's I, mean, a, I work it, with a GM every Sunday, a former NFL GM was an NFL GM forever. And he won't admit his mistakes. I tell him all the time. I go, that's a mistake. You didn't like him. You liked him. You know, and Spielman, and right? They don't admit their Spielman. mistakes. Rick Spielman. Yeah. yeah, they don't. And he's, 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 he was a good G, a really good GM for a long time. But they don't admit, Tony's right. They don't admit their mistakes. But the good ones do. 
Who are the longest? Ones. Who are the longest tenured GMs right now? I'm just curious. He was long. He was a long, really a longest one of the longest tenured guys of Minnesota. Yeah. Needless to say, I sit there and say Christian Ponder's name every day, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> of course. No, but you, you know what I'm saying? And I, by the way, I'm not saying Trayvon's a mistake. It's still three games into his second year. Correct. So, like, I'm not saying that. You're saying right now he's not that guy. Right now he's a mistake until he proves otherwise. And so, which I never understood this offseason, why aren't we going to get a veteran pass rusher when we lost Arden Key, when there was a bunch out there? Um. You know who had two sacks yesterday? Hmm. Aiden Hudson did, I know that. Yeah, he did. And he got one rushing inside on the guard. I mean. He also had a forced fumble look, and a fumble recovery look, and two passes. This, is, this isn't bash Trayvon Walker day. That's not what no, it is. No, no, no. This is, we're talking about the defense in general. And we're talking but, about but, but as it relates to Trayvon Walker, and he's not responsible for where he was picked, he, as the first overall pick in the draft, he's producing no pressure. So as of right now, he is a miss until he proves otherwise. You drafted him to be a pass rusher. He's got yeah, one sack. Pete, I guess I disagree. I don't like labeling someone after three games or no. in their second season as a miss. I just disagree with you. I mean, you can – you can, can, no, As of right now, he can change the narrative. All the qualifiers you want on it, Pete. I just don't think that's right. Like, my whole point is I think he was a bad bet, number one. Okay. You say I think it was a bad bet to bet your defense on that Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd and some of these younger players like a Chad Movement were going to take this big step and we're going to be big contributors to change this defense. Because I saw nothing at any point last year that made you say they were ready to take that step into what you needed them to be. Now, I can make an argument more for Devin Lloyd because Devin it felt like everyone thought it was more mental him just getting comfortable in the position so you would think that would happen after second year as far as skill set of a pass rusher did we ever see last year the skill set of a, of a pure pass rusher from Trayvon Walker no doesn't mean he's not a hell of a football player his physical is crap and he's disruptive in other ways but he's not a pass rusher and so the fact that we made no we didn't do anything. In fact, we went backwards because we lost Arden Key, who was a five-sack guy, but had a bunch of pressures and was active and brought good rotation. And we let him go. I just I, – I disagreed this offseason. I said it. I disagree now with the bet that we made. But Is that's it a the bad, Was it a bad bet? You talk about bad bet. Was it a bad bet to pick Trayvon Walker first overall? I mean, it was a questionable pick when they made it. They were projecting. They were projecting a college player to become an elite pass rusher on the next level when he wasn't an elite pass rusher in college. That's projecting. So as of right now, the projection has not worked. I'll say this. I actually, the last several years, if you notice, whenever we talk about the draft, I stay away from the draft because I don't do the work. And you probably have more room to talk about the draft because you do more work than I am. I just don't go watch every college kid's tape and everything else. I watch Saturday football, mostly SC, as a fan. Which, by the way, your Sun Devils played well, but we played crappy and we still beat you by 14. Um, you were scared there for a little while, though. No. Not really. No. No. They, could no. Never, they could never stop. No chance. No. 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 Yeah, by the um, way, that, little, that tight end at ASU number 12 is a damn good player, isn't he? Big kid. I, I don't care. 
Um, you're Draft. you're you're in a rearview mirror. Um, the uh, so I don't study, so I'm not going to sit here and debate pick by pick of what Trent did or any other GM does because this is what they do for a living. I have no problem having questions and giving my opinion around the state of the football team I watch a lot of tape on and spend a lot of time around, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so I'm not going to get into whether Trayvon was the right pick or not. I will say this as an overall philosophy. I don't think you pick a guy and project him to do something that he never did in college or showed he could do in college with a top first round pick. I think you make those projections, those bets, maybe later in the first, second, third, and and really you want to make those bets in the second, third, fourth round. Would you so, right now right from now. a philosophical standpoint, I just don't think you make those bets. I think when you pick a guy in the top ten, you are saying, This dude, I see what he can do and I'm bringing him to do what he does. Would you take Hutchinson over Trayvon Walker right now for this defense? I think for what we need as far as a pass rusher, Hayden, uh, Aiden Hutchinson is a better pure pass rusher um, from the defensive end standpoint than Trayvon Walker. And by the way, real quick, yep. Kayvon Thibodeau hasn't done anything either. No. He has not. He has not. No. Indeed. And I thought he would be good. And, right. I wa- and I've watched tape on him, and to me, he's a one-trick pony. He has yep. speed and nothing else, and if that's all you have in this league, you're not going to make it. And I don't think he has, like, exceptional bend around the corner or anything like that, that if you have speed and great bend, that makes it difficult. But, and this is not a referendum on Trayvon Walker, whether he's a valuable part of our team and a good football player. We're talking about pass rush. And when you can't get anywhere close to the most sacked quarterback in the NFL who has four backup offensive linemen playing, that's problematic. And you allowed a rookie quarterback to sit in the pocket, be comfortable, and by the way, whoever in the hell picked Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud, I, I mean, I, I watched both of them this week. And maybe Bryce Young's going to be a great player. And, again, I don't He's watch little. Him. He's I, little. I saw him on the field, and I'm like, oh, my. Yeah. And now his ankles, and now his ankles hurt. And they always right. said his wrist, he had the wrist of a 17-year-old. That's not a good thing. Hey, let's come ankles, back. He's got... just a slight. I'm not saying he can't. He's smart. He can right. sling it. He's, right. he's, he's little. Just, he's just little. We got to go. CJ we'll come back. Little, and he can sling it. We'll come back. We got to keep it real when we come back. Not that we just haven't for the last 18 minutes of this second hour of Jaguars happy hour. I think we certainly did. We're on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. It's Jaguars happy hour presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings. I thought we had a good plan. Um, plan doesn't, doesn't mean anything though if you don't go execute it. So it doesn't really matter how good your plan was if you don't make the plays. So it doesn't really matter. But uh, I thought we had a good plan. I thought we did some things well. I thought we were in rhythm almost the whole day. Then we would just shoot ourselves in the foot repeatedly. Just couldn't get out of our own way. But I didn't ever feel like they were doing anything that we weren't prepared for. That you know, I think we stayed in a rhythm. I don't know if we had any three and outs today. Um, I thought we were moving the ball consistently and we would just 
make that play that you don't need to make. We did that five or six times. So that's the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, after the game. Uh, lost 37-17 to the Houston Texans in week three. The Jaguars are now one and two. All right. Uh, let, let, hey, we didn't get to the AFC South power rankings, by the way. Um, the Jaguars are no longer in first place in the division. So are there changes to the AFC South power rankings for Pete Briscoe and Tony Baselli? Pete, what do you got for us? Yep. Colts are number one. Jacksonville's number two. The tight, meh. Or maybe I should, I should put the Texans number two. <laughs> it's not like it was a fluke. They just beat us by 14, was it 17 points or right. 14 points, whatever it was. 20. But, but again, 20? If I, don't you get the, the idea that 37-17. Do you not listen to the intro of this segment? I said 37-17, Tony. You're not paying attention? So, so Tony, not you. If, no. if they played again 10 times, you think the Texans would win seven of them? I don't. Oh. You do? No. I think the Jaguars will win eight out of ten. So you think the Jaguars are a better team then? So how can you put the Texans ahead of them? Because they just beat us by 20 at home. So, okay, because I'm doing my power rankings for tomorrow. Hey, Where do I hey, do I put the Texans ahead of the Jaguars? Pete, hold on. Here's my here's my point. In the last 11 matchups, they beat us 10 times. In the last six home games, they've beaten us every time. As much as I just dislike every other team in the division in the NFL besides the Jaguars, how do you put us in front of them right now? You don't. So it's one Colts, two Texans, three Jacksonville, four Titans. Or are you putting Jacksonville in the cellar? I, I it's a, To me, there's... <laughs> Right now, there's not a good team in the AFC South. The Colts no. are the best team. Because we all forget this. In a rookie making his first start ever, they had a lead in the fourth quarter against us. Yeah, but you could also say this. If you don't go for it on fourth and five from the 45 or whatever it was, it's 3 nothing at the half against the Super Bowl champs, and you might be thinking differently about that team. I mean, you could do that all the time, Tony. But my point is saying this This is what I was trying to get at. This is why the NFL is the greatest ever. Because you actually have no idea. Zero. And that's why like, I we do these power rankings and they're really stupid because they don't mean anything at the end Nothing. of the day. Nothing. And that's why I always laugh at people like you, Pete. Not in a bad way. It just makes me chuckle because everyone does power rankings. It's like, clickbait. Come on, Tony. You know that. Oh, I know it is. It's fun. But it's, it's really – the NFL is set up where it does not matter. It's what happens on Sunday – the Arizona Cardinals with Josh Dobbs just beat a team a week ago we all thought was one of the two or three best teams, three best teams in the NFC. And destroyed them. It wasn't a fluke. Destroyed them. And by the way, Ran it was Dobbs. Yards. It was his first win ever as a starting quarterback. Gardner Minshew went into Baltimore and beat the Ravens. I mean, you can't figure this out. With, with, We're trying to gauge. And he pulled the Dan Orlowski. Yeah, we were trying to gauge the the what was the worst loss of of the good teams that okay, Jacks the Cowboys loss is the worst one. They were 12 and a half point favorites and got dominated. Jacksonville's is the second worst and then the Ravens is the next worst. But those three teams were top 10 teams in the power rankings last week. Not anymore, maybe. No. 
No. Hey, so, uh, I, I guess my point is saying the AFC South, I mean, right now, the way I feel after losing to 20 by that Texans with this rookie quarterback and a, eight starters out, eight, put us last. Put us last in the power rankings. Put us 32nd. Actually, you can't, no, I, can't, I can't put us below the Bears. It's impossible. You can't put it below uh, the Broncos either. Or the Broncos. All right, <laughs> put us 30. I don't care. Actually, cause it's, because it goes back to what Doug said. All the press clippings and all, all the love everyone got in the offseason and blah, 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 blah. And everyone drank the Kool-Aid and everyone's, you know, we're going to win. We're going to. Pete Prisco has it going to the Super Bowl, and Tony has it going to the AFC Championship game, and you know Peter, it's Peter King's darling, and you know all the different things. Guess what that means? Nothing. When you line up on Sunday, nobody cares. Go play. And until we start playing better, Pete, put us last. I said that yesterday we were watching the game. I said if they lose next week to Atlanta, I might put it, dig a hole and start throwing them in, in with a shovel, put the shovel ready. And somebody said, in that division, you can't do it. You can never do that this year. You can't bury anybody in that division. I mean, you thought I, I thought this team was going to run away with that division. I did too, Pete. Yeah. Hey, let's come back in a moment. We'll keep it real when we come back. We'll also get Fanatics fan questions. We're going to double dip when we return. Like it. A lot to get to. We've gotten through a lot already on this program. After Jaguars lost to the Texans, this is Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings. Hour number two of the program, J.P. Shadrick. At the Miller Electric Center, the Hyundai Studios, Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli after a 20-point loss to the Texans. Jaguars are now 1-2. and two. They're headed to London this week. That brings us into Keeping It Real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today. Real Ingredients, award-winning wine by Robert Mondavi. Still waiting on Bob, by the way, to deliver that wine. However, there's a reason why he hasn't heard us, I think. We'll get to that another time. Hey, uh, the, the question this week, will the, London, will the London game bring this group together? I don't understand that whole philosophy. What, what are yeah, they talking I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Pete. I'm not sure what that means. I think the idea is that they are together for what? They'll be on the ground for 10 days there. Two different resorts out in the countryside. Practice on the, on the grounds. Don't really so leave the So what's the itinerary? So you land, they're going Thursday for this game, right? Correct. They, get, they arrive Friday morning. There'll be okay. an afternoon Friday practice at uh, one resort northwest of town where a practice field is right there. The team has stayed there before. Uh, then they play the game at Wembley. There's a walkthrough Saturday, game at Wembley Sunday. After the Sunday game, they have to change l- hotels. So they're going to a different resort closer to Tottenham, northeast of town. Same idea. They'll be out there all week with a practice field Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, play the game at Spurs. Okay, and then so this is going to make – because they're going to eat together and hang out together. They eat together and hang out together all day during the season, all day. They're in the facility all day. I, I don't – I've never understood that. Would they rather be there with their teammates or home with their families? I mean, I, I just 
No, I don't. And you hear coaches say that all the time. We went to the, for a week between our our games, and it helped galvanize the team. Give me a break. I don't buy it. Go play. Go play. <laughs> I love when Pete just throws everything out and says, "I don't buy any of it." Do you? I, I think change of scenery can help, Pete. I do. <laughs> so here's one. I mean, if, if players are saying that, Pete, then are there distractions here that they need to get away from? Last time I checked, the field is the same. Once you get the ball kicked <laughs> off, you're on the same field, right? It's the same size field. I, I, I mean, okay, everybody has distractions, whether you're in London or in Jacksonville. The same distractions are going to be there. You still got issues. And aren't you together, Tony? When you, you play during the NFL season, you go in in the morning and you leave at, what, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock usually. And so that time you're all together anyways. Yeah, but to me it's less about being – I mean, you're probably together a little bit more on the road because you're not going home. My point is more about – I think just sometimes change of scenery is just good for everybody. You know, some, yeah, the, yeah, I get maybe I can't. I'm not saying there's anything magic about it. It's kind of like, like just doing something when you're in a slump or you're in a funk, just doing anything different. You gotta, bust, you gotta bust the slump. Well, maybe yeah, they, maybe they should volunteer to play back to back road games on the West Coast every year. Then they could just stay over and make themselves a better football team. I mean, right. I it just, Tony's laughing. He's trying not to laugh. <laughs> You're trying not to laugh. It just, I just don't, I never have bought the whole idea of that. I just don't. You don't buy that just changing, changing your, um, kind of changing the, the uh, location or the surroundings and no. just, like no. just different, like feel. Hey, let's get on a bus and go to. Let's get on the bus and go to practice. No, I, I want to drive my car into the game, into the practice facility from my home. I don't want to no, be. I get that. I'm saying to change up. If you're in a funk, you don't think it helps. It, it does anything. You're three games in. You're talking about a funk. I mean, it's one bad. Come no, on. One bad game. Okay. One really bad game. They didn't play so, bad. They didn't play well against Kansas City either. Kansas City's a good team, and you know, we were in it in the fourth quarter. I don't have it. No. They didn't, okay. Offensively, they've not played a good game yet. They didn't play good against no. Indians. They have not. They have not. Offensively, they're in a funk. I, I would have given okay. From what we so, expected from them, they're definitely in a funk. My so favorite is As we're having this conversation, my lovely wife is next to me. Um, cause it's getting late here and she wants to go to bed. Um, and she's listening and she says, has Pete ever been on a team in his life before? And I, just should have, I guess not. Been on plenty of teams, but you know what? There's an I in, tell your wife, there's an I in price go. <laughs> a big fat I. <laughs> right in the middle. Right in the middle of it. That was Keeping It Real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today. Real Ingredients, award-winning wine by Robert Mondavi. Yes, Tony. So, Pete, you don't think, like, there's value when you go to camp as a team and get and just you're in camp and you're built, like in the old days when there was really camp. You don't think that built the team and the closeness of a team and everything else? 
maybe when you were in high school, but when you got no, modern everyday oh, problems, every, okay, because your your 95 team was so close after you spent the whole summer in Stevens Point beating the daylights out of each other. We're, we we develop, you develop a lot of close relationship, you, like mental toughness together, yeah. It's the same like thing. You went like, home on the jet. What are you talking about? You were there for Yeah, you're the time. private jet, Tony. Hey, hey, JP, let's not. Pete is now just arguing to argue, and he's being <laughs> no, an idiot. I get you know, what you're saying. Is there you know, bonding? Is, well, can you bond on a trip? Can you bond on a trip? Yes. I, to answer getting, your question, yes. Now you're being a you're being a jackass. So no, I'm just not. Like, you can bond on a trip. I'm oh, agreeing with. Oh, now you. he's being a jackass. No, I can, didn't know the last seven years. I don't think it's going to make you play any better. You're going to make new friends, maybe, if that's what you want. <laughs> I mean, here's the other thing. Sometimes when you go out on a new trip, you, you go somewhere on a new trip, you end up like the one year in London after the game. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. <laughs> stop, stop. Uh, time now for Fanatics fan questions. Jaguars fans, <laughs> gear up at Fanatics.com with all the latest Jag styles. Shop now and get today's special offer. Fanatics.com officially licensed everything. We put the cat signal out on X. Here are the best posts we've come up with. At Alex Van Dyke 3, given the personnel on the defensive front, are there any major changes that can be made, bringing in people, switching positions or scheme, or do we just hope someone can figure it out? Um, figure it out. They got to figure it out. And if, and if they can't figure it out, I think Tony's right. They got to start blitzing. Take your chances. Well, they blitzed yesterday on what that third down at the end, right? Third and three, third and four, and didn't get close to the kid. Yeah, but Tony's right. Uh, you got if you can't just status quo cannot stay. If you can't get pressure against an offensive line with four backups and a rookie quarterback, you got a problem. And by the way, he's not exactly the most mobile guy. He had that that run when he got outside. Yeah. But you have to be able to pressure the quarterback. So Tony's right. I agree with him. Blitz if you have to. Heat him up. At Bortles Nation, am I the only one that feels like Lawrence tries to force it to Ridley when Ingram and Kirk are open? Look at the second half. He got them involved and moved the ball. Hmm. Uh, I, I didn't feel like they were forcing it to Ridley yesterday. I never felt like they were in any rhythm. And yeah, okay, great. They they started moving the ball. They like Trevor said it best. They moved the ball. They just couldn't finish drives. They couldn't. They were terrible on third down, especially in the first half. Um. I, I never they felt adjusted in the second half. They adjusted in the second half a little bit, though. A little bit. Like, I'll give you an yeah. example. You know the the post corner route, the the, the post corner route that that Kirk caught for the touchdown. In the first half, he ran that same route, and I said, all he's got to do is bend that back, because he ran right into the safety, and there was, you know, they were playing a single high, and there was nobody there. He's got, it. and then he did it the second time. But there was some talk, and I don't know, is this true? Doug took over play calling duties in the second half? No, he was asked that again today, and he said that is not accurate. He did not. Okay. That's what he said. That's what he said. Yeah. Uh, next question at uh, GDS Athena. I think it is ignorant of throwing all the darts on Trevor. How do we get our fan base to stop all hate and do your. Uh, do you suspect Cam Robinson in addition to solve some of the O-line issues? Well, let's start with the first one. Welcome to being a franchise quarterback. You're going to get all the you're going to get all the praise and all the all the arrows. So, that's just part of playing that position. I promise you Trevor's just fine with it. Um, now, do I think some of the comments on Twitter and everywhere else are nonsense? 
Yes, I'll say it. I said it last year. I'll say it again. Trevor's a superstar. He's going to be a franchise quarterback. He's going to win a Super Bowl with his franchise. Um, is he playing well right now? No. Great. Is uh, did Joe Burrow play well the first two uh, weeks of the year, Pete? No. no. Is He's uh, hurt, okay? Is he a good player? Great player. Did he play good the first two weeks last year when they were 0-2? No. Did Josh Allen play good in his first game this year? They were burying the guy. Nope. No. It's it's, there's overreaction. It's all this is the Trevor stuff is a grade A overreaction. But I will say he's pressing, and he's taking easy throws in lieu of taking the, the tougher throw or waiting for the tougher throw. And I can go back to what I said earlier in the show. The offense, interior of the offensive line has sped him up and sped the play calling up. Next question at DTWD2882. Tell Pete to stop predicting good things for this team. Every time he does, it ends in disappointment. The curse of Pete Frisco needs to end today. Jags fans need to unite and perform some kind of ritual to end this curse. Wow, hey, I thought, well, I thought they would. I thought they would uh, lose in the Super Bowl. So you want me to? <laughs> I mean, come on. Hey, here's the thing. I picked them to win because I thought they'd have a good team. I was wrong. I'm wrong right now. Right now, I can admit I'm wrong. But they can change that. Just like I, I was making the assumption that they made that Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, uh, Andre Cisco, who's a good player by the way, has, has gotten better. Those, those guys would all take steps forward. They haven't. Luke Fortner, another one. Is he taking a step forward, Tony? No. What kind of ritual could we do? A, a, a little one. A little one, Tony? I yeah, he was got... a little bit. He wasn't awful. I, I'll be honest with you. Watching the tape yesterday, I didn't, or today, I didn't think he was awful yesterday. No, I, I, mean, I think he's better than he was last year. Is he remarkably better? No. No. The left guard's an issue. That's a problem. What kind of ritual could we do to, to reverse this Pete Prisco curse? What could we do, Tony? You play what? better. Or maybe, you know what you should do? They should go on the road and bond together for a couple weeks. That'll, that'll fix everything. Well, we're about to find out if that will work. I'm not, not sure. I, I'm not, I don't really believe in these silly curses people say. Like, what was the – what was the when the Red Sox couldn't win forever, the yeah, curse of the Bambino? Bambino. And, yeah. and the, Billy, goat, like a, Billy Goat Curse for the Cubs? There was a Cubs goat? curse. Billy the Goat, goat curse. or something? Billy Goat, Billy goat curse. Detroit Lions. There's a Detroit Lions curse, too, after they traded Bobby Lane or whatever. Hey, yeah. here, here's one, Tony. We double-locked it last week. Maybe we should not do that. So our, <laughs> let's go to our final question. Uh, the final question of the day is from somebody you guys both know. At Andrew Vaselli, is the double lock officially dead? <laughs> No, it's not, son. No, no, it's not. Mind your own no. business, kid. <laughs> Don't you have something you should be doing, kid? Do something. Do your work. Do your work. Go to bed. He's like 26, 28. How old is he now? You, you, and the, you and the wife are gone for the for a couple of days. He's he's probably in the middle of having a good old time. He does not. If, if he was in high school, he would be, but he doesn't live at home anymore, so he, he can do whatever he wants whenever yeah, he wants. But when he was in high school, you know he did. <laughs> I'd rather not remember that. So the double lock, is it dead? No. no. Heck no. You don't no. give up on one bad moment. You can't give up on the double lock, even though we were we looked like two idiots because it wasn't even close. 
That's not why you look like two idiots, by the way. What's worse, our double lock from this week or the fact that I picked this team to go to the Super Bowl? A lot of football left, Pete. A lot of football left. I'm going to say the double lock because the Super Bowl is not out out of the question. Thank God they're in a bad division. That's all I have to say. I mean, if they could, okay, seriously, if they lost this week to Atlanta, we'd be sitting there saying they're done. But even if they lost to Atlanta, they're not done. Mm-mm. Not in that division. We were six games back with seven to play, and we won the division. Right. You can't, you can't bury anybody. There you have it. The Fanatics fan questions are in. Thank you for the submissions, even you, Andrew. Very nice. Uh, if you're a Jags fan who's always on the move, we've got the perfect plan for you with the bundle at the bank. You can purchase tickets to three or more games starting at 58 bucks per game. What a deal. Get the flexibility you want for your time this fall. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. We'll look around the NFL in week three and preview the double dip of Monday night football after this. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings. You're seeing, you're seeing, you know, the drops. You're seeing the um, the turnovers. You're seeing uh, penalties, um, untimely penalties. You're seeing flashes of, you know, excellence and brilliance, and then then a setback. And it's just the consistency that we need needs to improve. And um, it's not there right now. You know, we got to continue to work and continue to get better. Um, and, uh, you know, figure, uh, figure some things out. Doug Peterson, after yesterday's loss to the Houston Texans, welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings. J.P. Shadrick from the Hyundai Studios inside the Miller Electric Center on the couch today. Uh, Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli, along with us, as always. And uh, for you should have t- laid down on the couch and done half the show laying down, J.P. Like, uh, you, know. you know, I might not get back up. You never know. <laughs> After all these wings, these Mr. Chubby's oh wings God. we got. What a day. What a day. Uh, for 10 years, DreamFinders Homes has been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jaguars. Visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all the available in- inventory and go Jags. Let's go around the National Football League and some of the scores from yesterday. The Lions over the Falcons. 26 was the final score. We mentioned Hutchinson. Couple sacks, uh, two uh, passes defense, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery all over the place. Uh, are the Lions for real, Pete? Well, they lost at home to Seattle last week, so who the hell knows? I mean, nobody has any idea in this league. You just don't. But yeah, I mean, that's a good football team. And uh, I think they they got a great offensive coordinator and they, they got one heck of a quarterback coach too because he's made uh, Jared Goff into a pretty good player. Mm. Mark Brunel. Yeah, I've heard of him, yeah. Uh, Packers over the Saints, 18-17, the final score in that one. But, boy, the Miami Dolphins, 70-20. to And they gave up the chance to go for the regular season record for scoring in a game by a single team. The record was 72. The all-time NFL record, including playoffs, is 73. They could have tied that with a field goal. They took a knee. Yeah, but there's some people around the league, too, that kind of think that they might have ran it up a little bit anyways. Well, so if you did I mean, on that, the last touchdown, Pete, like they're running over left guard. What are they supposed to do? Yeah, like take a I knee guess, there, like tackle the, the guy. It was a little ta- that would have been tacky to kick the field goal, though. Come on, I agree with that. That would have been. Yeah. And and 
Denver's a disaster. He kept Russell Wilson in the game. <laughs> it was like, what are you doing? I mean, it was bad. Miami's Miami's so good because they're so fast. You know, Tony, we talk about speed. Yeah. They're so speed fast. Speed it's kill. amazing. It makes you defend them differently. You got to do so many different things. And, Waddle, and now they got the rookie running back who can fly. Yeah. And Waddle wasn't even in the game, Pete. No. And they still killed him. But we'll know more about them this week. They play Buffalo at Buffalo. And Buffalo's owned them in recent years. And here's the other thing. Buffalo had nine sacks on Sunday. Oh, 37-3 win over the Commanders for the Bills. We get to play them in two weeks. In London. Nine sacks, Tony. Nine. And nobody had more than one and a half. Wow. Would you rather play them in London or in Orchard Park? London. 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 But here's the other thing. The switch from Leslie Frazier to Sean McDermott, it goes back to what we were saying, Tony. They're much more aggressive now than they were. And, and you know, maybe Jacksonville needs to get a little of that going, too. Chargers over the Vikings, 28-24. The Patriots beat the Jets, 15-10. Seahawks over the Panthers. One quick note on the, on the Vikings-Chargers game. Yep. I don't know if you guys saw it, but the game was high, not high scoring, but a lot of offense. The Chargers had a fourth and one from their own 24 with a minute 51 in the game, and he went for it. Why? It <laughs> uh, didn't make it. He Why? didn't make it. And then they had 24 yards, and they couldn't get a touchdown because he threw a the, – the Vikings rushed at the end of the thing, and they had time, and he threw a pass, and it hit off the receiver's hands and popped in the ear, and they picked him off in the end zone. Otherwise, he loses the game. Can you imagine? Brandon Staley put his job on the line, basically, at 0 and he would have been 0-3 to go for it from his own 24 with a minute 51 left in the game. And they needed a touchdown to win to die, to win the game. That's asinine. Who Crazy. does that? Moron. It's as bad as Josh McDaniels kicking a field goal down eight on fourth and four from the eight-yard line last night with over with a little over two minutes left. So Did you I see guess, that? Yeah, I saw that last night. He had three timeouts and the two-minute warning left, right? And fourth and four from the fourth and four from the eight. You need eight points. What do you do? And the field goal doesn't do you any right. good. You got to stop him twice. Yeah, that's right. Oof, rough one. Steelers won that game 23-18. Cardinals over the Cowboys 28-16. What happened to Dallas? They gave up 200 yards rushing. Oof. Dak Prescott threw a bad interception late in that game when they were getting back into it in the end zone. Is that something other teams can expose the Cowboys, their uh, run defense? Yes. They're fast, but remember, they drafted that kid, Mozzie Smith, to be, make the run defense better, and they have a, I think you can expose them. They're not big. Well, he's not a big man. No. They're, they're, and, and Parsons moves around all over the place, and he's not big either. And finally, the Chiefs over the Bears, 41-10, the final score. The Chiefs look to be back on track. Not that they. That wasn't the news from that. The news from that game isn't the final score. Taylor Swift was at the game to watch, uh, uh, to see sweet. Travis Kelsey. I could tell by every every single sh- other shot besides football was her in the in the box. Yeah, so. they're, just, they're. I think Kelsey's just trying to use it for client. Do you think they're really dating? I don't. Nor do I, I care. How about this? I don't care. Right. <laughs> I, you don't care, Pete. You're the one that brought it up. So apparently, that's you all care. they did was show them all. They showed her all day, the whole game. I literally don't care. I don't either. Apparently, you do, Pete. You brought it up. 
I don't. Monday Night Football. It's a double dip. Two for the price of one for the second week in a row. First at 7.15 Eastern. I don't know what time that is in Czechoslovakia. It's a battle of 2-0 teams in the NFC. Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles visit Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then at 8.15, two teams trying to figure it out. Stafford and the Rams and the 0-2 Bengals. Calf watch for Joe Burrow. Reportedly expected to give it a go tonight. Who you got on Monday Night Football? I got the Eagles and the Bengals. I got the Eagles, but very, very close. And I got the Bengals. The, look, Joe Burrow and the Bengals are desperate. He has to play in the game. They go to 0-3. They're basically done in that division. They have it. The picks are in. I guess it's the Czech Republic, right? It's not even Czech. And by the way, I don't think I don't think our, our buddy in the Czech Republic is going to make it to those games. No, you're not going to no, stay. No, I will not be watching Monday Night Football tonight, no. Is it past? It's past dinner time already in the Czech Republic. Did you eat already in the Czech Republic? It's midnight, Pete. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so, so, what do you go eat when you go to the, go out to dinner in the Czech Republic? Oh, got a great dinner tonight. Had some. Uh, I had what I have. I had a uh, lamb. No, not lamb. Veal tongue. Veal tongue. Oh, it was outstanding. Um, what does it taste like? Like really tender veal. I not like veal. Um, I had um, some Dover sole, which is a nice white fish. Surf and turf. That was it. It was good. The old Ooh. Czech surf and turf. Well, the, the, the veal tongue was a appetizer. Veal tongue and sole. <laughs> it's like, let me look at this menu and I'll, I'll, I'll order the veal tongue. <laughs> Come on. They recommended it. You I got asked a, what they recommend. You got a burger anywhere in this place? <laughs> Come on. So I was at the hotel restaurant, which is a nice, great hotel, and I asked the waiter, like, what do you recommend? And he said, feel the veal tongue for the appetizer. I'm like, I'm in. What do you do in the Czech Republic? Go look for Yaramar Yager's house or something? What do you do? <laughs> I don't know. I know what's going to happen in London, though. We've got the Jags Country concert Thursday night. Tony and I will be there at Wembley Arena. Uh, Pete, we'll uh, talk to you on Monday from the Pavilion yeah, in Pub. experience in London, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Briscoe, Tony Vaselli, and thanks to our entire crew. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thanks to you for listening. Joe Fortunato, Brent Reaver, Andrea Curry, Eric Waringa, William Pease, Kate Waske, all the rest. Uh, thanks for listening. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. Catch you next time.